So just wanted to thank you for having me again. Um, Harvard Epworth and I have been on a journey for many years. Uh, many of you remember um, that I had attended Divinity School and been an intern here, and towards the end of that time had discerned um, that I wasn't actually called to what I thought. Um, I had entered Divinity School thinking I might be a pastor, and um, towards the end realized that really wasn't the calling that God had put on my heart. Um, and, and it was still unclear at that point to me what my calling would be. Um, what I was clear about was that there were lots of people who would love for me to, um, for my calling to be part of what they were doing. Um, and I got invited to do a number of things in the church, which were great opportunities. Um, uh, shortly after graduating, I became a delegate to General Conference, which was a, an honor to, to represent um, this area. Um, I was asked to join the connectional table uh, of the New England Conference, which is basically kind of like the church council, but for the broader area. Um, a little bit later, I was invited to become part of the vision table for the Northeast jurisdiction, so similar role, but at, at another layer. And slowly but very quickly, I found um, that my weekends and evenings were consumed with the church. And I had felt so called to be part of the church that this didn't feel like a bad thing until I realized that I didn't have any time for anything else. Um, I had been utterly consumed and I was exhausted. And it didn't take long uh, before I knew that something had to change uh, for this to, to be more sustainable. And it was about that time when I was reading an article in Harvard Business Review. Uh, it was called, the title was perfect, how to say no to things you want to do. It was a thing that I had never thought about. I always, like, I knew people were like, you know, follow your heart and, like, just know yourself and make those decisions based on that. And then I didn't realize, like, if you're lucky, and I, I was lucky, you have tons of things that are, are aligned with what you want to be doing, what you feel called to be doing. And you need to learn how to say no to things that actually seem like amazing opportunities. And I was in that position. And uh, I will say that I, I eventually emerged out of it. I learned how to sort of uh, prioritize. I ended up having to make some difficult decisions in saying no to things that I wanted to do. Uh, and then shortly, uh, I guess just a couple weeks ago, I had a similar feeling, a much more acute example of it, but a similar feeling. Um, it was the beginning of Pride Month, and I uh, was running, I, at the company I work for, I run our, our Pride group there, and so I had a number of events scheduled to celebrate this, this month, and I was really excited and jazzed, and we had all this stuff going on. I had tons of meetings set up, you know, virtual, um, you know, virtual meetings and lunch and learns and things like that that, that we had hoped to do. Um, and then, of course, um, with the emergence of the Black Lives Matter protests and the movement that sort of was spawned out of that, um, things took a different direction. And I'm proud to say that there was a lot of energy at my company to um, really work towards some, of, um, some, some better practices, procedures uh, within the company. And we sort of had a, an opportunity to, to um, really make a more welcoming and inclusive um, space. And, of course, that was something deeply important to me. Um, I had been involved in work like this before, continued to do so, and so I, I signed my, myself up. Here I am. I, I'm here to do this work. And it felt great. 
Um, and, and that first week, you know, I was in more meetings. They just kept popping up, and it just felt like there was a meeting, and then there was another meeting, and it, it was everyone. And we were, it was personal conversations and institutional conversations, and, and I said, yes, here I am. And by the end of that week, again, I just, I, I, by Friday afternoon, I, I passed out, and I think I woke up Sunday morning because I was so exhausted, um, because I really had just gone all in. Right? And, and um, I think probably many of us, um, especially those that are involved um, pretty, um, pretty well in the, in the church, uh, have experienced this in some way or form, right? Whether it's church volunteering, um, maybe it's protesting, maybe you were, you were involved in some of the protests or for whatever cause is important to you, um, or maybe it's not even institutionally or, or um, socially related. Maybe it's uh, relationships, right? A lot of us are deeply involved in the relationships that we have. We're um, parents, we're um, children who are caring for parents, we're, um, we're spouses and partners, uh, and we have all of these obligations. And we find that it's a lot, I find at least, it's a lot easier to say, here I am, say yes, um, than to say no. And I, I should say, right, that, that we want to do all of these things, right? This isn't a question of, well, I don't really like to do the dishes. Well, Maybe I don't, but, um, you know, there are obligations we have. There, there are a lot of these things. We, we care about our relationship. We care about our society. We care about our church. Uh, and I, I started to think about this in relation to the story today because, to me, Abraham is like a yes person. I can really identify with Abraham, right? Um, because what I see in this story, just kind of stick with me for a little bit because I agree with Kathy. This is a hard story, and I, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat the story too much, but you know, what you have here is you have Abraham, who has been called in the past by God, has been promised this vision of his future, which is realized in this, the miraculous birth of his son, right? Abraham's like ancient, as is his wife, and that yet they have this son who can only be uh, a miracle, and who is supposed to take on um, this, this vision for himself. And I, it seems really like it's going well until uh, God says, hey, Abraham, I need you to do something. And by the way, it goes completely against everything else that you care about in your life. So, um, and Abraham says, of course, here I am. Yes, like I have faith. I trust you, God. Their relationship is, is so important. And, um, and so they go off and it's, it's stunning, really, right? And, um, but, and then when I, when I read it again, I realized... It was really interesting to me that midway through their trek to uh, Moriah, Abraham sees, or Abraham is called again, but not by God this time, right? But by his son, father, and Abraham says, "Here, or Abraham says, here I am, son, right?" Uh, and God's already said, right, and already alluded to the fact that Abraham loves his son, right? And and Abraham's son represents this promise, and uh, and it was just to me, it was this tension of like. How do you reconcile your faith in God with your, your love and care and obli obligation to your, your family, right? And, and, you know, Kathy put it very well. Like, it, it seems unfathomable. How do, we, how do we deal with this as a church, right? Um, and it's really interesting. And, and then, of course, Abraham goes on. And one more time, God's, the angel comes to God. And God, Abraham says, here I am, right? But, but the whole thing here, that I think, that's really interesting is this, this sense of what, how, how do we deal with this thing where we want to say yes, 
And we, we feel needing to say yes, and yet uh, it, it's not so simple in this case. Um, and so I started to think about that, right? And that's not a simple topic to talk about or to think about. Um, and then I started to think about this idea of like the, the term here I am, which is the word that Abraham uses to, to, um, to, to own up to this call from God. And it's often the words that we use when we talk about calling, right? Everybody knows the song, and I'm glad we're not singing it today. But, <laughs> but it's a good song. It's just we, we often play it during like, services like this where we're talking about call. Um, and what I thought about was, like, here I am is very context agnostic, right? It doesn't, I am here. Well, we don't know where here is, right? And it struck me, um, like, with the Matthew passage, right? You know, lo- you know, care for the little ones, give, right? Well, who are the little ones? Who are the, who are the, the poor? And, and how that might be different if we're in Massachusetts than if we're in West Virginia or, or Calcutta, right? That, that the poor look different. And who I am and where I've been also might change how I care for the poor based on my experiences uh, and what I have to offer, right? And then I started to think about, so th- to me there's also, there's like sort of a, uh, a, a second part to this, right? Here I am should be kind of paired with like, where am I? Where am I, right? So it's not just about saying, yes, I'm here, but also let's take stock of where I'm at. And I mean that in a couple different ways. So I think where am I is not just about, okay, I'm at church, and so if God calls me at church, then I must be called in some sort of way to serve the church, or, you know, I mean it in a little bit more kind of nuanced way. So first, what, are, what is, where am I presently, right? What is the context that I am, I am in uh, that is most kind of near to me, and, and what does that context require of me? So what's present? If I look down at my feet, where am I? And then the second is sort of, where am I kind of as a person, right? What are my, what, how am I rooted? What are my values? What are my priorities? How is my health? Things that have to do with where am I as a person, right? And then where am I at, in relation to where I've been and where I'm going, right? So looking back, what do my experiences tell me about and, and prepare me to do in this place that I'm saying here I am? And also, you know, where do I see myself going? And this is, of course, kind of an interesting question because sometimes that call will put you and pitch you against where you think you were going. And sometimes the call is something that gets sort of layered in to that, that path, right? Um, and I just thought, like, wow, okay, so, so when we're asking these questions, it, it isn't about saying yes to just everything we care about. When we're asked questions that pit us against uh, pit one one priority against another. There really, I think, is a, la- a, a layer a layering approach to how we would respond. Um, and I, so so June uh, in June, Just Mercy, this this uh, movie by Brian, uh, not by, but about Brian Stevenson, um, has been playing for free, and so um, we decided to stream it. And it's a fantastic movie; highly recommend it. A little bit about Brian. Brian started an organization to represent um, death row inmates in Alabama. And um, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, The acting is great. Um, But what I thought was really interesting uh, and relevant to this was a conversation that that they depict between Brian and his mother. Um, After Brian graduates from law school, 
It turns out Brian received many amazing offers, things he'd love to do, things that would pay him well and um, important to his mom, things that would keep him safe, right? And uh, he's hit against his mom. And he hasn't, it, it's kind of interesting in the story, it, it's almost like, have you talked to mom? Have you talked to mom? And he, they're very much kind of, they seem to be a, a slightly estranged at this point based on this decision that he's made. Um, but he does go to talk to her. And the way he describes the, his conversation with her was that because of this experience that he had during law school where he, he was working with an inmate who was the same age as him, who listened to the same music, who had the same hobbies, he could very much see himself in an alternative, alternative um, future being that, that inmate, right? What was, what was different about him that made him uh, able to... to, to um, go to Harvard Law School and have all these opportunities. And so he really felt called to address that, that iniquity in, in the, the system that had resulted in this, this difference. And um, what I just thought was really interesting was how he reflected on that and said, this is my call, right? I've had to say no to all of these things I would have really wanted to do, but it's because of, the, uh, of how I've prioritized my, myself and the work that I do and, and my calling. Um, and why do I think this is important today? Because there are simply too many things that are calling for our attention, right? And they're all amazing and important things, right? Um, and they're all urgent, it seems, right? We have this, uh, this crazy pandemic. We have, like, protests about Black Lives Matter and, and the importance of, of reconciliation. And um, we have this crazy climate catastrophe that is uh, wreaking havoc on our world as well, among other things. I mean, you know, sick and, and um, people in need, uh, so many things that, that are important and immediate and vying for our attention and our energy. And if we're not careful, I think we, have the, we risk burning out, right? And, and I mentioned I've had a couple experiences of that in my life, and that's definitely something that... that we're going to be no good for the world if we're burnt out, right? And that, that's going to feel hard, right? I'm not saying, we, we, you know, I think what's really hard about this story, right, is that Abraham is pit against these two incredibly important things in his life. And um, we too are pit against all of these important issues and relationships. And, and then we're also human, right? And how do we stay, um, how do we stay healthy and stay well enough to do that work? and to follow our call, right? And, and I'll leave you with this. I, I loved when we were reading kind of the, the Parker Palmer book. He talks um, a lot about, well, some about burnout and specifically the role um, of community in burnout, right? And what he says is that it's sort of wrong, mind, wrong thinking to think that we have to be the ones to do everything, right? And that it's actually uh, better for us to step back and to take stock of what we can do and then that gives the opportunity for others to step up, right? And the best part is, when we reach the limits of our own capacity to love, he says, community means trusting that someone else will be available to the person in the need, right? And so if we think about the context of Abraham, right? Abraham knows and he makes a decision, right? He has prioritized his faith in God and his trust in God over um, his love and compassion for his son. We can all make all sorts of arguments for or against that decision, but... What happens at the end is God provides, right? That's the whole kind of message at the end. The ram is revealed, and, and we see a way forward. So Abraham makes a decision, follows this call from God, 
and then is, uh, and then ultimately it works out, right? And, and it works out because we all are all advancing into the future together, right? And, and people will step up when they need to step up, and, and that's how community works. And so today, I just want to encourage you to continue to think about and discern kind of your own call, and, and, and not just because it's a way for you to give back, um, which is important to, to Alyssa's point, not for you, just for you to help out, um, but for you to also take stock of what you can and can't do. So you can protect mm -hmm. the energies that God has given you so that you can be part of that moving forward and that, that we can all move forward together. Um, so I'd invite you to, to have a, a, a little bit of discernment time around that. Um, we've, uh, we, just, uh, we still have the 40 form out there and it's, a, it's an opportunity to do some of that reflection in a guided way that is uh, interesting to you. But whether you use that or something else, um, I'd encourage you to do some of that discernment um, as you move forward into um, this summer months. Thank you.